ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with 97.3 ESPN.com's Andrew DeCecco. Powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. You know, we, we recognize the, the ability of the roster that's that's put together right now. And I think we have the ability to do something really special uh, with this group, but it's going to take a lot of hard work. Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, it's Football at Four. Football at Four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. It's not Andrew Checker today, it's Jeff Mosher joining us for the Inside the Birds Podcast, a special edition with Mosher because, well, you know, this week Christmas is on Friday. Tomorrow we're only on for an hour, so we're reshuffling the deck this week. But it's always good to have Jeff jump on the show. By the way, Jeff and Adam, the next podcast drops tomorrow morning, right, Jeff? That's the uh, next time you and Adam got a pod dropping? Yes, Josh, that'll be our normal middle of the week uh, tape review, all 22 review podcast. Uh, so we'll have everything and not just us breaking it down, but we we obviously speak to people uh, within the NFL league sources who have viewed the tape themselves, and we give people an inside perspective on what they saw from the Eagles' offense, defense, and and we'll probably, I would imagine, get to some of that special teams meltdowns as well. Well, we haven't talked to you yet about the game on Sunday, so I just want to get your general synopsis because you and Adam talked on the pod on Monday about the fact that. Listen, there were some positive takeaways from this game, but in many ways, it just felt like the team was just outgunned for a for a shootout, basically. Yes, I, I think that's that's really fair. I mean, you see DeAndre Hopkins, the catch that he made on the go-ahead touchdown, that's really a catch that DeAndre Hopkins and, and a small select few of wide receivers in the NFL are going to make. Uh, the Eagles don't have a wide receiver like that you know Alshon Jeffrey used to make some kind of catches like that but um he's he although he is playing and contributing he's not that kind of player anymore um Jalen Rager Travis Fulgham uh, go, both of those guys have shown the ability to go get the ball at times but nothing quite like what DeAndre Hopkins can do than just completely take over and dominate a game from start to finish and make a catch like that how would you grade Doug Peterson after that performance? In the first half, I saw 20 points with a balanced offense, 18 passes, 16 rushes, only six points in the second half, and they dropped Jalen Hurts back a lot more. And then, you know, you had the questionable go for two after they had the extra point, which later on it could have been 27-26, but instead it's different. So all around, what did you think about Doug Peterson's game plan? Um, you know, I thought he would have to open it up a little bit more in the second half the way he did, Hunter, because of how the Cardinals were attacking. I mean, they were they were really starting to crowd the box. I noticed in the first half that many times that they were trying to run was against seven and eight man boxes. And when you do when you see that, that opens up the the outside to be able to make plays. And I thought, you know, for for a decent amount of time there, Jalen Jalen had to throw the ball 44 times and he was able to make some pretty good plays uh, to be able to throw the ball 44 times and not be intercepted, uh, especially in your second career start. First road start was pretty good. So I understand what Doug was, was doing there. Uh, at first I thought the fourth down that he went for it on was, was a terrible idea until I realized that he didn't have a, uh, a punter at his disposal, but uh, the going for two, I can't remember exactly what the score was at that time. I know he plays it by the analytics book in that situation. If you're down by, I think 11 or 12 um, at a certain point in the game. It always says there to 
to go for two. So uh, nothing really jumped out at me as just egregiously a bad call um, or, or just poor game planning uh, from, from Doug in that game. You know, I was very impressed with Hertz's play because he overcame adversity. You know, a lot of guys, they have a rough start to a game, a safety, the grounding call, and they let that dictate the rest of the game. Hertz put it behind him and grew and evolved. And I mean, those two touchdown passes to Greg Ward, the way he played from the pocket, and even getting hit six times, I felt like there was a great deal of evolution from Hertz in that game. Yeah, I mean, there's there's two things that are that really stand out, right? And one is, as you just mentioned, it looked like the you know what was going to hit the fan there after the first 15 minutes of the game. I mean, they're down 16 nothing on the road. Uh, to a good Arizona team in Jalen Hurts' first start. And you kind of feel like that's the going to be the point of unraveling for Hurts and the Eagles. And they did anything but unravel. In fact, they, they fought back and put points on the board and started to make it a game there in the second quarter. So I thought that that was another example of Jalen Hurts showing some really good poise, some good leadership, uh, unwaverability, if you want to call it. He has not yet looked like a guy who – the moment was too big for. And that's that's impressive when you compare him to other rookies this year because some of those guys, like obviously Justin Herbert, uh, starting right away. Well, not right away, but, but a lot sooner or becoming the focal point of their offense a lot sooner uh, than, than Jalen Hurts. And Hurts is a second-round pick who some people felt, should, most people felt in the league, would be a third or a fourth. So for him to have that kind of uh, moxie about him, I thought was really unique and, and obviously an attribute that helped the offense kind of not, 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 I guess, go down with the ship when you're down 16, nothing. You could see that, 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 that could be an issue sometimes for other quarterbacks. And then secondly, as I mentioned before, the, the Cardinals really came after him with a, a whole lot of different blitz schemes and just, you know, sometimes they were disguising, sometimes they really come after him and he did get sacked six times. And a couple of those were on him holding on to the ball, but for, to be able to throw the ball 44 times, and not have an interception. And I know that there was an almost a pick six. I think that that's to be expected. There are going to be mistakes. But in general, to be able to spread the ball the way that he did, um, not really have to just rely on one single receiver, shows an evolution of his role as a quarterback in an offense that has always been, when it, when it's, at its, when it's functioned well under Doug, it's always been kind of an offense that's been spread around. Of course, Zach Ertz back you know a year or two ago would catch a lot of, a lot of passes from Carson, but for the most part, under Doug Peterson, there hasn't been that one guy who's going to catch eight to ten passes a game. I'm definitely super intrigued from what I saw out of Jalen Hurts, and he's exciting to watch. The offense makes a lot more sense right now, but I just feel, for example, when you see him make that play where he fumbles the football, picks it up, throws it to Dallas Goddard, you hear, oh, this is awesome, Houdini extending plays, this is great, everyone's buying in. I feel like I heard that before. Oh, I did with Carson Wentz just a couple years ago, so I just feel that this excitement and everything I'm hearing about Jalen Hurts right now, which is valid and should be said, We've heard mm -hmm. it before, so I don't know what to do with that information. I saw Fulgham go through four games of elite wide receiver play. Now he died off. I, I, I just, I don't know. I'm torn on how to feel about this because it takes me a while to get convinced that this is truly who he's going to be. You know what? You you phrased it so well, Hunter. That's something that Adam and I uh, have been talking about, you know, even in the last podcast, that I kind of feel for the Eagle fan because normally, ordinarily, in a situation like this, you just want to be so excited about 
the prospect of a young quarterback coming into his own who you drafted and, you know, but those are the situations that you feel like when that quarterback is supposed to be your franchise leader. And it is exactly the sentiment that people felt about Carson Wentz in both 2016 when he started off three and zero and, um, you know, managed through a pretty decent rookie year. And then of course in 2017. So if you're, the Eagle fan right now has to kind of balance his or her feelings about excitement over Jalen Hurts and, and what that means for the long term, because the more excited you get for Jalen means that you're almost excited for a quarterback uncertainty picture, and nobody wants that. And even if you do want Jalen Hurts as your quarterback going forward and you've given up on Carson Wentz, that alone should give you some kind of hesitation about how you f- you'll feel that uh, you know going forward when you were just this excited about a different quarterback three years ago. And you know, you take a, a step back, and ever since Donovan McNabb uh, was was shipped away on on uh, Easter of 2008, I want to say it's been a new quarterback every two or three years, and that's certainly not a sign of stability. And we thought, and I think a lot of people, myself included, thought that in 2016 and 2017 that the Eagles had kind of figured it out. They hit it on the quarterback, and they were they were even different in free agency, right? They were just not blowing money on on guys like Namdi, old guys, right? They had figured out guys to get on your second contract, which they, they do well like Javon Hargrave. But the bottom line is you, you just want to be really comfortable in your team's process. Um, and now you just start to look at the last three or four years, and it's like you want a Super Bowl, but you just wonder if the process has always been right and having a new quarterback would not speak well <laughs> to the process right after you sign Carson Wentz, such a long-term deal. Jeff Mosher joining us here on Football at Four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. New episode drops tomorrow morning. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit the download button. You get those alerts every time they drop a new episode of the pod. Of course, you can follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Mosher NFL. Now, you mentioned stability, Jeff, and that kind of you know triggered a thought in my mind, and that is, but part of stability also, is it not, when it comes to the GM and the head coach, because you look at other teams around the league, you don't have stability and they've interchanged coaches and quarterbacks and GMs. And I know a lot of people, they're frustrated with Howie. They're frustrated with Doug. They're frustrated with Wentz, but you need to at least have stability at one of the positions. So in your mind, is it more valuable to have stability with the quarterback or the head coach moving forward? Man, that's a tough question to answer. Um, I think the most important thing that a franchise needs to be successful for the long term is it's not single out singling out any one specific entity like quarterback, coach, GM, owner. I think the most important thing is that your quarterback, your coach, well, I'd say this, that your your owner, your GM, and your head coach to an extent, especially if you want long-term success, are all on the same page, that everybody's interests are only about what makes the team best, what's good for the team. Uh, and then from there, that kind of um, <laughs> matriculates or, or kind of works its way down to the scouting department, the rest of the coaching staff, the personnel. You know, teams like Pittsburgh and Baltimore and, um, you know, Kansas City right now for the last seven or eight years with Andy and Brett Veach there, Seattle, they're able to kind of turn turn even change a little bit not they don't change their identity but they go from say alex smith to pat mahomes or in seattle you go from being the legion of boom to now more of a russell wilson operation uh and then of course in baltimore you went from 
you know, your Joe Flacco's to your, your Lamar Jackson, because everything works correctly on top. Everybody's in agreement. Everybody knows what the identity is. When you go out and look for football players, you have the same concept year after year after year. You don't change that year after year after year. And I don't think the Eagles have always had that continuity and cohesion from the top. So therefore it can't really be manifested even in the middle levels when you talk about certain players and, and the product they're putting out on the field. So without trying to single out one more than the other as far as quarterback and coach, I just think franchise cohesion and symmetry is the most important thing you can have to try to get long-term success. It doesn't mean you're going to win a, you know, five Super Bowls. Obviously, you need talent and you need a little luck and things like that. But if you want to consistently – you don't want to be the team that has a nice little run like the Eagles have had and then completely bottom out. Right, that that that's a sign where things start to come apart at the seams, and you have reports of this guy not being happy, and this guy, the Eagles have kind of always had that around them, Josh, for 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 a long time, um, and I just think that you know your Christmas wish list for the Eagles would be just a franchise that pulls in the same direction. Well, Josh mentioned Howie Roseman. What are you hearing about the John Dorsey story, his role, anything else tied with his name being here in the Eagles organization now? Yeah, so John Dorsey has been involved with the club uh, for quite a while. Um, I mean, meaning like more than just the last month or two. I mean, he, I believe it was shortly after the draft um, that they at least had some conversations and he, he started to become in an advisory role and a scouting role for the team. So um, he's been here throughout, you know, for, for quite a while, a couple months. And, you know, I can't tell you what kind of impact he's had on any single one decision. Uh, I think that his strength in the past has been in drafting. And I know that that sounds great for, you know, the Eagles right now because they feel like the Eagles need help in drafting. But I feel like it's it's the same kind of conversation that you'll have year after year after year. You know, the guy who, who pulls the trigger on draft picks is Howie Roseman. So not John Dorsey. Not Andy Weidel, who's, you know, supposed to be number two to Howie Roseman. And it wasn't Joe Douglas when Joe Douglas was with the Eagles. It was Howie Roseman who makes the pick. And so if that doesn't change, I really don't see the the scouting philosophy or the personnel uh, picking philosophy, drafting philosophy really changing because Howie will make the pick. You know, the Eagles have a history, though, in recent years, right? I mean, they brought in Tom Donahue a couple of years ago. You know, now yep. they're bringing in Dorsey. I know that you know when they brought in Andrew Berry, you and Adam talked about on the Inside the Birds podcast that you know they he was kind of like there as a stepping stone to his next job, and now he's the GM in Cleveland. So this isn't new for them to bring in different people into the organization. I feel like there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's actually a, a positive in Howard Roseman's column that he's willing to bring in these well thought of people like Dorsey and Donahoe in here to see what they think. Yeah, I mean, some of the guys you're mentioning are all brought in for different reasons. Tom Donahoe is like the the advisor because he he used to be a GM, so he's not just draft related, right? He's he's how you, you know, you operate your franchise, and he's been with the team. He, you know, he's he's a tangible part of the team. He's he's a, our front office, I should say. So he, he's he's around. He's there, um, and he's been for for quite a while. And I believe he came on after they lost Ryan Grigson to Indianapolis. I want to say I could be wrong about that. I. I I forget how, how long Tom's been with the team, but or maybe it was when Howie got his power restored. But yeah, he's been with the team for a while. Andrew Berry was brought brought in, by my understanding, to really you know become a, a the lead on their analytics department and um, to help out in in of course every area of the of the 
of the front office. But, you know, really, I was told he was to preside over the analytics department and marry that with the rest of what they do. Uh, I don't think John Dorsey, per se, has, has kind of an analytics role involved, more of a probably a college and pro scouting role. I, I think that you can – I'm not trying to rip you here, Josh. I, I totally understand what you're saying. You, you can talk yourself into anything being a good idea, but you can also talk yourself into anything being not such a great idea. So you could say, hey, look, it's really good to have uh, a guy as experienced as John Dorsey as part of the scouting staff. Sure. And, but you could also look at the other way and say, wait a minute, you've got like three – directors of college scouting you have a director of pro scouting you know we talk about the offense already with all these coaches who are brought in and it's like how many voices do you need before it becomes a little bit of a of a whose voice matters more and you can you can make that argument where you bring in john dorsey whose spot was he replacing they didn't necessarily lose somebody that they needed him so does that create what i was talking about again about having everybody on the same page does that create a situation where you know, you're you're you've got John Dorsey having a louder voice and other guys who are already in place. And I don't know how it works. I'm not I'm not trying to tell people it's good or bad. I really don't know what to make of it. I think in, at the end of the day, it's it's still Howie Roseman that makes the pick. I mean, they, they did this. You're right. They also did this with Scott McLuhan uh, a year or two ago where he was brought in uh, as a scouting advisor to the or, or they subscribed to his his scouting service as it is. So it, it always we. I look at it as always a little strange, Josh, that when you have as big of a personnel staff as the Eagles do, that you continuously look to outside sources to add to it. You know, uh, is that something that you see other organizations that are really firm in in their process do? I don't know. I I really don't. Maybe some do, some don't. I I almost don't put a value judgment on it, but I do. As much as you might look at it and say it's a good thing, I also look at it and wonder and question whether it is a good thing. By the way, just for your own sanity, uh, Tom Donahoe was named Senior Director of Player Personnel during the press conference on December 30th, 2015, when Jeffrey Lurie announced the firing of Chip Kelly and the restructuring of the front office with Howie Roseman. Right. So Ed Manowitz was gone and Chip Kelly were gone, and then Howie was told he had to really you know, hire a, a GM. But until that, they had brought in... Uh, Tom Donahoe, because they, you know, they valued his, uh, I, I think they had, had a prior relationship, Howie and Tom, and he valued him as an advisor. Most yesterday we heard that Deshaun Jackson's 21-day window was activated. Should we expect to see him soon, let's say Sunday? I feel like the perfect ending of this year, right, would be for the Eagles and Washington to play in the final week of the season, and Jalen Hurts on his first drop back in 12 personnel, his only two receivers are Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson. That would be like 2020 for the Eagles in a nutshell. Uh, I mean, I, I really don't see a reason to have to play Deshaun, although I've said that about Alshon as well. But, I mean, you you, you are seeing development from Jalen Rager. Uh, you are seeing development, uh, at least in one game, you saw Quez Watkins put a nice little spin move and take that to the house on a, on a I guess, a kind of a tunnel screen. So, um, if you're looking for speed, you certainly have enough of there between Watkins and Rager. And, you know, if they want to put Hightower back on the field, they can do that again as well. But, you know, the way that they've made decisions and kind of uh, catered to the veterans, be it Jason Peters and Alshon Jeffrey, it wouldn't surprise me if somehow Deshaun Jackson made his way back onto the football field. It's just strange, though, because of the fact that I talked with Andrew Checo about this yesterday here on 97.3 ESPN about Alshon Jeffrey had 63% of the wide receiver snaps on Sunday. 63%. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, 
Ward was 53. Watkins was 34. Fulgham was 31. It's almost like this team is... It doesn't matter about the development of the young receivers. It doesn't matter that Greg Ward had two touchdowns and that Watkins had that big play. It's, oh, they're healthy. Let's put them back on the field because they're Alshon, Jeffrey, and Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, it seems like that. Like I said, they, they've capitulated to veterans. But I also, you know, I know, look, I know that they're not thrilled with the develop, the recent weeks of, of Hightower and Fulgham, right? I mean, Fulgham made some catches there at the end of the game, but the only reason he was in was because Rager was sidelined with an ankle, um, which is fine, by the way. He's fine. He should be good to play on Sunday. But there, there's there's something going on with Fulgham and Hightower where they just haven't done enough to be able to earn their coach's trust anymore to put him out on, on the field, and they have to sit there and watch as the old guard – able to be doing more. Fulgham was unbelievable for a four-week stretch, and then the offense went in the tank. All right, well, we're going to try to reestablish our connection with Jeff there as he was in the middle of making a great point, and then he uh, just vanished. Typical Jeff Mosher fashion. So, yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to get his thoughts on uh, the defense because I know that that was an interesting topic throughout that game. Some viewed it as, well, they allowed 33 points. And, well, you got to remember also that seven of those points came from a block punt. And you probably wouldn't have 26 points if it wasn't for forcing a fumble, getting the offense in good field position. So, you know, there are a lot of ways to view this when it comes to what they even had out there on the field personnel-wise. You're rocking and rolling with guys who picked up off the street guys who worked at a tire shop so the way I look at the defense though is you saw a team with very limited resources turn the football over three times coming off of an outing may I add that they got an interception from Duke Riley I bring this up because this defense has had issues when it came to actually turning the ball over putting the team offensively in a great position with the short field. You haven't had that, and now in back-to-back games, it seems you're getting more pressure. It seems you're getting more turnover. So I'm just curious to see if we can get Mosh back, what he thought and how he assessed it, because there are some pros and cons for sure about how it all played out. All right, I think we got Jeff back now. Jeff, can you hear me now? I can hear you. Where did I leave off? You wide receiver. Well, you were basically saying that you know, you're talking about how they brought in Fulgham because Rager was the ankle was injured and that he should be back this week. But then you were going into how inconsistent they are with you know who they're bringing in at what point, and then we lost you. Yeah, the point I was trying to finish off with is that I know that the t- the coaches clearly aren't thrilled with Hightower and Fulgham um, over the last few weeks, and you know exactly specifically what I'm not sure, but it's clear that they're playing the veterans because they want Fulgham and Hightower specifically, I guess, to watch and stay and, and, and perform better so that they can get on the field. I, I thought the body language, at least from Fulgham, when, when the offense really started to tank there and he started to become lost, you could see he was, he was a little frustrated. So I think the coaches really want to see a little bit more out of these guys Monday through Friday before they, they trust him to get him back on the field. How do you assess the defense's performance? They had three turnovers. They allowed 33 points, although the block punt played a role. But they put the offense in good position when it came to some field, uh, short field as well. So how do you look at this defense, knowing, too, that they were very limited in resources? 
Yeah, you know, you make a fair point. I mean, the Cardinals scored 33 points, but really offensively they scored 31 because there was the intentional grounding safety. And then, as you mentioned, the block punt, basically, not that you have to give up a touchdown every time you have a turnover, but that was a difficult situation. So if you want to, if you want to take those, uh, seven points and then the two other nine points away and say, really, they gave away, uh, gave up about 24 points on the road against an, an Arizona team that has a lot of weapons when they're banged up. That's not bad. It really isn't. And guys, I thought, fought hard. I mean, Alex Singleton continues to play well. I no longer kind of mockingly refer to him as, as, a, as a third linebacker or as a starting linebacker only on the Eagles. I think on some other teams, he'd be able to at least have a role. I mean, he shows you he's got good energy. He's good nose for the run. Um, he's working on his, his coverage. It's never going to be great, I don't think. But he's certainly been a big-time upgrade over Nate Gary. And it's certainly fair to question everybody involved. Ken Vajol, Jim Schwartz, Doug Peterson, all the coaches on why Nate Gary had to get exposed for about five or six weeks there before Alex Singleton got more time. Uh, and I also thought that the kid, Jaquette, not Michael Jaquette, yeah, he gave up plays, but he was there fighting and competitive. I mean, how many times have we seen the ball get thrown over a cornerback's head over the last two years and a wide receiver score a touchdown and not until, like, the guy's done doing his dance do you see the Eagles' corner, like, finally get into the end zone because he was beaten by 30 yards. That was not the case against Arizona. I mean, they, they, they made plays, but they had to work for the plays that they made. So I thought, you know, I thought Epps, you know, he had the interception, but he also had a breakup. I mean, these guys fight pretty hard um, for, you know, and, and put it all out there. And nobody made so such egregious mistakes that, you're like, this guy has to be off the team tomorrow. So I, I was actually fairly impressed with the back end, impressed given the circumstances for the back end. And I thought the front four did a good job of moving Kyler Murray off his spot and getting him uncomfortable. He's Jeff Mosher. Check out the Inside the Birds podcast. New episode dropping tomorrow morning. Jeff Mosher, Adam Kaplan, with all the latest insights on the Eagles-Cardinals game as they start looking as well ahead to the next game versus the Cowboys. And the next time you can hear Jeff Mosher here on 97.3 ESPN is a part of the Sports Bash Christmas special that will air on Christmas Day. And as all guests, Jeff appeared on the Boardwalk kind of hotline. Make sure you follow him on Twitter for all your Eagles NFL news at Jeff Mosher NFL. Jeff, I appreciate the time, and I appreciate you. Merry Christmas, fellas. Thanks very much. Merry Christmas, Jeff. Obviously, Christmas this Friday. Yes. Crazy, isn't it? Just comes comes and goes. Where did time go? I don't know. I feel like this month has just flown by. And this game on TV is ridiculous. 19 nothing. Another another game I have no money invested in that I'm just complaining about. Football at 4 being brought to you by PlaySugarHouse.com. Sign up now and then match your first deposit up to $250. Go to PlaySugarHouse.com to win real money with their sports book along with casino games from the comfort of your home. Must be 21 or to play gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Speaking of gambling, coming up next, JR. JR wins. You know, he only has one loss this year. He is now... 14 and 1 in his free picks on the air. Will he go 16 and 1? Find out coming up next here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN FM and the 97.3 ESPN Mobile app powered by First Bank of Seattle City. This is the radio home for Philadelphia Eagles football. This Sunday, it's an NFC East battle.
97.3 ESPN. Josh Eddick filling in for Mike Gell here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Of course, Christmas week. We got NFL games on Friday Christmas. A triple header on Saturday. You can hear all the action right here on 97.3 ESPN along with the NBA back in action tonight. Lakers and Clippers also on 97.3 ESPN. A lot of sports going on for the holiday season. And a touch on all of it is the one and only JR. WagerPro.com, the WagerPro app. JR now is 14-1 in his free picks. The man in just a phrase is in fuego. JR, how you doing today? <laughs> As always, I greatly appreciate you having me on. And guys, listen, it's not just the wins and losses. You guys know I can win. I've built credibility here all year. I've done this around the country year after year. It's not just a lucky year. I told the station before they brought me on, guys, I'll be over 80%. They laughed. Here we are. We're over 90%. We're going to keep it rolling, not just with the free game I give you here, but I'm telling you, strategy is everything. To have a great bankroll manager in your corner to tell you how much you should be putting in as far as in comparison with your bankroll and how to become a bigger player over time, this is what we do. We look at sports betting as an investment, not just as a gamble. We don't throw the dice. We're here to make money. Now, look, I love, I don't like, I mean, NBA is here, right? I mean, you guys have no idea what's been going on, but you know who does? We do at Wager Pro. So, Clippers, Lakers, the line is two and a half. The line's off by close to double digits, and I've got the winner absolutely free. Plus, big matchup on Christmas. Why not? I'm in the giving mood. I'm giving you the winner of the Saints against the Vikings absolutely free. Both winners right now on a recorded message, and it's only 30 seconds long. Call the number, 800 499-3733. Again, that's 800-499-3733 for this 2-0. I'm telling you, I'm going to hit both games. They're going to be blowout winners. NBA tonight, Clippers, Lakers, NFL, what a better day, Christmas Day, New Orleans and Minnesota, both are free on a recording. Call that number, 800-499-3733. There you go, two for one there on the recorded line. Let's hit on a couple of different games that you are not giving away right now. Just give the folks a little idea of what we're talking about here. The first game today on the NBA slate is this Warriors-Nets situation. I'm less interested in the specific game as your perspective on the season because I feel like I'm hearing a lot of people at JR saying, hey, some of these teams, these win totals, you want to stay away from them because some of these teams may, may not be as good or as bad as the books are putting out there. Listen, the odds makers always, and I mean always, have soft lines early in the season. Guys like me, we look forward to this time of year. I'm one of the only guys you'll talk to who bets preseason football. Why do I do that? Because I can get information where I know that the odds makers are downright wrong. And you're right. These win totals, especially in the NBA, some of them are completely lopsided. There's some value out there, and we, we buy these futures all year long, especially on teams, not just the win totals, but also who's going to make the playoffs, who's going to get to the championship game, who's going to win the championship. These are all great bets. As the season progresses, all these tickets go up and down in value. There's a whole market out there for futures bets. People don't realize it, and I'm telling you, you have to have somebody in your corner in order to be able to pick out the right ones from the wrong ones, and, you know, what what 
better company when it comes to prognosticating than WagerPro. We're ahead of, you got to be a step ahead. In order to win at this, you got to be a step ahead, and that's what we do. Guys, call that number, 800-499-3733, to get on board and start out with this 2-0 and absolutely free. Now, part of the NFL weekend is we have that game on Friday. You're giving out on the call. Then you have a triple header on Saturday of action. And the middle game in that triple header is going to get overlooked a little bit because, you know, it's not on regular television. But that 49ers-Cardinals game, it just moved, JR. They just announced C.J. Beathard is going to be the starting quarterback. And apparently, he's worth less a point. It's now five on the spread for the Cardinals at most books, where it was just four just a couple hours ago. In fact, they opened that line at two and a half. It went up to four, four and a half, and now it's up to five. And frankly, I mean, look, the 49ers still, let's face it, I mean, guys have gotten healthy. The defense is better, but the offense is nothing what we expected it to be, with or without Garoppolo. It doesn't matter. Mullins doesn't matter. Beathard, they've just been a disaster all year. And somehow they've squeaked in five wins. Those nine losses are heavy, though, and they're going to continue. They're going to be 5-10 and 10 after this game. Arizona seems to be getting better every week. I know they had a couple of bad games, but, boy, they looked great last week. In fact, they really put up the points. They were able to get an early start. And against this 49er defense, which is now beaten up and just – I feel like bewildered a bit. They're going to get beat up early in this game. They're going to go down early, and they're not going to be able to score points. So you got to love Arizona here, minus the five points, to get the job done and just paste, paste the 49ers who have to travel to play the game, regardless. The first game on the NFL Saturday slate, you can hear right here on 97.3 ESPN, Buccaneers versus Lions. JR, here in Jersey, this game opened at 7.5 for the Buccaneers. Well, now at many books, it's up to 9.5 and 10. But on the flip side, the over-under opened at 54.5 here in Jersey, and it's now dropped to 53.5. So the spread is going up for the Bucks at books, but the over-under is coming down a little bit. You know, and that's not something you see very often. Most of the time, if the favorite's going up, the total's going up. But in this case, you're right. The line came down. It doesn't matter. Weather is obviously not a condition at Ford Field. And I'm going to tell you right now, the Buccaneers, it's hard for me to lay that kind of lumber on the road, okay? I mean, they've, they've been so spotty all year. Detroit's been a mess. Let's face it, the Detroit Lions, as always, have been a letdown. Every year you think that it's going to be the year that possibly Detroit can get out, somehow squeak away into the playoffs, but again, you know, five and nine, six and eight against the spread, not scoring, allowing a hundred points a game, no running game, relying fully on Stafford's arm. It's a problem. Tampa Bay, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I know that they're going to win this game, but I feel like nine and a half points on the road for this team, it's going to be a problem. So, you know, they're seven and seven against the spread, nine and five straight up. They score a good amount of points, but the defense has been a letdown. So if I got to take a team here, I'm going to take Detroit, but I'm not going to take them to win the game just to cover the nine and a half at home. Make sure you check out wagerpro.com and the very easy-to-use WagerPro app. JR joins us each and every week. JR, before we get to your free pick, what is that number one more time? Because you're giving people not one, but two picks on the line. You got it. Guys, NBA winner tonight between the Clippers and Lakers. I'm telling you, don't bet this game without calling the number 800-499-3733. Plus, big winner, Christmas winner. Guys, love the game. Viking Saints, the line is seven. Odds makers are confused. We are not. I'm going to tell you who's going to cover and why. Call the number. It's on a 30-second message, 800 
800-499-3733. That's 800-499-FREE. And make sure you download the Wager Pro app and go to wagerpro.com. And what's that free pick for the folks this week? You've been in fuego, JR. We're going to keep it that way. You know, Miami's flip-flopped as far as the line on this game against the Vegas Raiders. They opened up as a dog. They became a favorite. They're 11-3, and three guys, against the spread. They've been a machine all year long. I'm going to ride the coattails, hop on the fins one more time, but take them on the money line. Don't lay any lumber here. Get on Miami money line to beat the snot out of the Vegas Raiders. There it is. WagerPro.com, the WagerPro app. And, of course, you can jump on that number, get two picks for the game tonight and for Christmas Day. Of course, JR joins us each and every week. WagerPro.com, WagerPro app. Great stuff, JR. Always my pleasure. Guys, happy holiday. Call that number, 800-499-FREE. Be safe. Go out there and make some money. You can definitely do that. Of course, JR, as I mentioned, 14-1 and one on the year with the free picks. Make sure you check them out, wagerpro.com and the Wager Pro app. Josh Hennig filling in for Mike Gill on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. We'll get back to your text in just a moment at 609-403-0973 here on the Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN FM and the 97.3 ESPN mobile app powered by First Bank of Seattle City. Josh Eddie filling in for Mike Gill here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Of course, NBA action back in the house tonight. Lakers Clippers here right here on 97.3 ESPN. Also, Warriors and the Nets. You know, that line has moved, Hunter. It opened at 5.5. It's now up to 8 at certain books for the, uh, the Nets tonight. A lot of money coming in for Brooklyn. You know what's better than that? Having a 75-point spread. And you, can, you heard me, a 75-point spread, and you can get that on DraftKings Sportsbook. For the holidays, Hoops fans are being gifted the return of NBA action in its 75th season. So, DraftKings is offering a full week of Daily Fantasy Millionaire contests along with the plus 75-point spread boost on any opening night team. How about that, Josh? Mm. That's insane. That's bizarre, but it's a great deal. Yeah. I already got in on it. Of course you did. It's funny. I was talking to you and Gil about it, and before I could even get half of the sentence out, you guys both were like, yeah, I took it already. Like, sheesh, <laughs> you guys have been scrolling through, which is great. You can do that all day long on DraftKings Sportsbook, of course. What's the promo code? 973. There you go. Use promo code 973 when you sign up. So it'll be an interesting one for sure. Now, I know you've had an interesting last 48 hours. Yes. Supposedly, you have another story. Another story. For the audience. And I, I feel like I feel like at this point, you're living up to, trying to live up, not literally, but I think some of the audience is like, nothing will beat the dog poop story. No, I don't know if it's to that level. I've been watching a lot of Curb Your Enthusiasm, so I feel like I just caught myself in a Larry David moment where Larry does something and ends up backfiring, so... I'm waiting for some Christmas gifts for the fiancé. And, and you know the story right now with USPS and all this. Everyone's freaking out about their packages not coming. There's, uh, It's taking a long time. So I was just questioning if I would ever get some of the gifts before Christmas. Well, one came today. And what it was, and I can say this now, and then you'll see why as we continue the story. But I got a, a throw blanket for the living room. But I got a picture of our dog on the blanket. So that it's like our dog Renzo is what the blanket is. Well, I opened it, and it looked 
awful. It looked like a cartoon character. It didn't look real. It didn't look like the picture where I thought it would be like a photo realistic picture of the dog. It looked like a Pokemon, if you will. It, it just looked so bad. Okay. So I was really disappointed. So I told her, I was like, look, I just got this gift and it looks awful. I, I hate it. I don't like it at all. I don't even know if I'm going to give it to you. And she was like, what? You're not even going to give it to me? It's that bad? I said, yeah, I don't even know if I'm going to give it to you. So she was like, fine, let me see it then. You know what I mean? Like, it's that bad? So I showed her it, right? She loved it. Oh. She absolutely loved it. She was like, why would you do this? Then she started getting mad at me that I thought it was so bad. So I just ruined a great Christmas gift because I thought that it looked miserable and didn't look anything like what was shown on the website. So shame on me. I made a big mistake. I just wasted a gift that I got for her because I thought it wasn't good enough. She loved it. Absolutely loved it. Okay, well, the moral of the story is that, uh, you know, you should... Uh you should trust your original judgment and not be an overthinker. I just can't believe I did that. Like, shame on me. What do I do at this point? Do I have to go out and get another gift? This is where the Larry David concept comes into play. Because Larry would get in trouble with his wife and he'd have to find ways to do something. Now am I obligated to go and get another gift? Does that count as a gift? Do I, do I gift wrap that one and have her open it? I don't know what to do in this situation, but I know I made a big mistake. Well, look, next time what you do is you just buy multiple gifts and you hope that she likes them all. Oh, I mean, I have other gifts. This is just one of, I think I have like six or seven that I got her. So this is one of six or seven. Okay, well, then this, then you should have just wrapped it and give it to her anyway. Not been a big deal. So, I, I mean, how do you view me in this scenario? Listen, Idiot, moron. No, no, listen. As as the expert at analysis by over-analysis that I am, because I am the ultimate over-analyzer on planet Earth, you over-analyze the situation. You thought too much into it. You didn't trust yourself. Because it doesn't matter if it looks exactly like the picture on the website. What matters is, will she like it? So your complete analysis was wrong because you overanalyzed the situation. I just didn't like the way it looked. It looked cartoonish. It looked fake. I wanted it to look like my actual dog. This looks like a Pokemon. I don't want that. So I was very disappointed. But maybe she wanted that. Well, apparently she did. She's using it right now. She's sending me Snapchat, sending me pictures. And now I feel uncomfortable because I screwed up. I brought up the fact that maybe now I get to open a gift early tonight. She did not like that proposal. Well, no, because you only gave her the gift because you thought you messed up. Well, I brought it up to her. Did you mess up on any of yours? Because I'd gladly open that tonight for din after dinner. <laughs> we can just light the candles. So, there, those are my two stories. I thought both were pretty interesting. One, I screwed up insanely and just ruined an entire gift. The other one... Some irony. I don't know if it was irony. Oh, it's definitely weird. irony. Weird, weird. So, how would you rate my two stories? Were they okay? Were they all right? I don't know how to feel right now. So, here's how I feel. I felt the irony story was better than the gift story. Okay. Because I felt like the gift story was just kind of the confession time. I needed to get it off my chest. I felt like that was more cathartic than it was telling a story. Okay, but I needed that. Yeah. So I, for everyone, listen, I needed this moment. This moment was big for me to move forward with my day and my life. That's how much it was eating me alive. Yeah. Whereas the first story was a better story because it brought up, you know, some thoughts of my own. Because, you know, I don't have a fiance. I'm not engaged. I'm not in a long-term relationship. So I can't really identify with the situation right okay, now. Okay, so maybe some people listening can understand where, you know, maybe someone went through a similar process that I did, and they butchered a situation. But I can understand the overthinking, which is what you did. Big time. You really overanalyzed And I'm it. so disappointed in myself. Me? Overanalyzing? I could never. That's not what I do. You've been hanging around with me too much.
You think that's what it is? I rubbed off on you a little bit. Well, how do you handle these situations? Do you dive deep into a bottle of wine? <laughs> Maybe that's what I need to I do mean, tonight. I mean, sometimes sometimes you need to just find something that will help you step back. What do you use? Well, you know, sometimes it's the gym. You know, sometimes it's a bottle. Was that gin or the gym? Gym. G-Y-M. Okay, I'm just asking sometimes questions. Sometimes it's the gym. Sometimes it is a bottle. Some- is, is sometimes is it the gym or, excuse me, the bottle then the gym? No, you, no, you, no. You don't ever go no. to the gym drunk. No, never. Bench never. press in a little bit. No, I, I, mean, I, take, I take a little pre-workout before, and I, I drink some BCAs during my workouts, but you know, I'm, I'm not inhibing any alcohol before I go in and lift. I mean, that's ridiculous. You That'd know, be irresponsible. Would it be? Yeah. What if you max out those days, though? I wouldn't want to know, because then, then you're talking about a situation that's not it, preferred. People do mention that there are beer muscles out there. Well, there are people who have just naturally are strong. It's not beer muscles. It's the idea that alcohol lowers the inhibition level, so, you, so you're less likely to have the filters you've put on your life. Right, but so you can maybe use you the think beer less, muscles at the so gym. You, so, you, so you think less about, can I do this or can I do this? You're just like, I got this. Move. And you just move it. So it's not really beer muscle, it's lack of overthinking muscles. Because some people are just naturally strong. I, I, I have a buddy, when he and I used to work out, his warm-up was like 200 on the bench. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Oh, it's just my warm-up, man. I just got to get the heavy lifting. I'm just like, what? He's Hunter Brody. I'm Josh Hedding, filling for Mike Gill. Here on Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN's Tuesday with Thompson.